This week on the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast, we're talking about the season six mid-season finale, episode eight, start to finish, written by Matthew Negrete and directed by Michael E. Satrazimus. We'll be right back after this. to the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kolsick, TV editor at popoptic.com, and I'm joined as ever by my wonderful co-host, editor-in-chief, co-creator, all that good stuff, Mr. Ricky D. Ricky, how's it going? Hey, Kate. I'm okay. You? I'm good. I, I'm, I'm still full of, of pie and stuffing and, and like cranberry sauce and all of those other wonderful good things from American Thanksgiving. Uh, so so I, eventually I will be fully awakened from my food coma, but it may take a couple more days. Gotta be honest. Is is that just like do you guys food coma up in Canada or are you not the uh, you know overindulgers that we are in the U.S. I guess, but our Thanksgiving is in October, so I don't know. So you, is it not as it's a little warmer? You guys don't feel the need to like have quite so many carbs as we do. I I don't know. Thanksgiving's not that big of a deal for us here in Canada. It's just a day off of work. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, this week uh, we will be giving thanks for the last episode of this season of The Walking Dead, or this mid-season, I should say, the mid-season finale, uh, and that start to finish uh, episode six of episode eight of season six, written by Matthew Negrete and Michael Satrazimus. Or will be we be giving thanks? It may be a controversial discussion. Uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I look forward to it. And here to help us break things down uh, from Pop Optic, where he read such wonderful reviews of, of the show, as well as other places, Mr. F- uh, Felix Vasquez, welcome back to the podcast, sir. Hello. Are, are you uh, anticipating? <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> are you anticipating um, uh, a lot of controversy here, or do you think we're going to be on the same page? I'm anticipating controversy, definitely. <laughs> Oh, well, I, that's always fun. As we always say here at the podcast up at the top, at least when I remember, um, this podcast will, this episode will just be looking at this episode of the TV show. We will not be talking about spoilers from the comics, anything that happens in the comics ahead of this. We will not be talking about, uh, we may say that a character exists, but we won't talk any specifics. Anybody who followed casting news or is alive in the TV bubble that is Twitter will know what, what I'm talking about with that. Uh, but there won't be any any uh, spoilers for future episodes of the TV show uh, either. I have not read the comics. Ricky has read pretty much all the comics. And to refresh our listeners who may not remember, Felix, what is your relationship with the comics? Oh, I'm a hardcore The Walking Dead fan. I've been reading since the beginning, and I've read the novels, and I keep up with everything. <laughs> now, I, I have to say, with this episode, um, there was so much energy at the end of the last episode, the previous episode, Heads Up, where the wall comes down, the watchtower like falls down and crashes down the wall, and and it's such a, a a potent setup for our our finale. All these walkers streaming in. I was like, yes, action packed finale. We got uh, Daryl and uh, Sasha and um, Abraham headed back. It's going to be balls to the wall action. It's going to be amazing. So I, I I was really disappointed by this episode. Uh, 
and I was confused by the pacing because as it started, I was like, okay, intense opening. Okay, what's coming next? When are we gonna? Why is nothing? Why is nothing happening? Was this just me, uh, Felix? How did you feel about this finale, midseason finale? I thought I thought it was uh, actually really good. Um, I, I, I had certain problems with it and reservations, but uh, all in all, I thought it was very similar to the season four mid finale. And Ricky, how are you feeling about this midseason finale? Oh boy, I think the problem is it is a midseason finale, right? Like if this was three episodes ago, it would have just been an average episode. But it's the midseason finale, so I think we as viewers expect more. I was somewhat underwhelmed, a little disappointed. I'm actually glad we have Felix on the show because I'm sure he's going to be very positive as opposed to us two being negative. I I don't know, Kate. I kind of feel like it was too early for Deanna to die. I wasn't too happy about the fact that she got bit. I wasn't too happy about the, once again, the execution. I always talk about this on the podcast where for a show that I would actually you know what I think it's safe to say the biggest draw is the fact that any character can die. Um, they sure know how to fuck up characters getting bit by zombies. Like think of back to Tyrese. When Tyrese got bit, it was so silly. Like he's in a quiet bedroom and a walker sneaks up behind them. Like, first of all, walkers moan and make noises. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's in a quiet bedroom and he gets bit. And that was a great character. And like that's the way he got bit. And here she gets bit, I don't know, Was it, I think the zombie bit her on the side, right, like on, her, on her waist. How do you not know a zombie bit you? Like, how do you not know this? Like, like I, just, I just thought it was so sloppy once again, the execution. It's things like that, little things like that, but that bug me so much. Because I like her character, and I think it's too early to say goodbye to her. And I also, I don't really like the way we said goodbye to her. Like, why did she all of a sudden turn into Rambo, start shooting away the zombies? Like, I guess she wants to go out fighting. But now she's going to get eaten alive. <laughs> like, why would you just put the gun to your head and shoot yourself? At least with the last bullet, because you, I get the notion of she's shooting with every last inch of her life, and she's she's fighting and she's killing walkers uh, with every last breath. But the thing is, if she had saved the last one for herself, she would also be killing a walker, because now she's going to be a walker. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I agree with you. I'm very glad Felix is on this episode because I, I it's going to be easy for this to turn into the uh, Kate and Ricky negativity zone. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm thank you, Felix, for coming on. <laughs> no problem. I'm a man all by himself here. <laughs> well, Felix, with the positive, what did you like best about the episode? Well, I liked a lot of the I liked a lot of the, the inherent symbolism that was going on with um with that little um with that little kid Sam, how he pretty much represented the whole town of Alexandria. You know, this little shelter little boy who finally has like a reality check right at, right when all all hell breaks loose. Pardon my language. <laughs> and I liked the fact that Deanna kind of took uh, her fate in her own hands. You know, not everybody gets to choose how they die in The Walking Dead, and she kind of decided I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go down fighting. <laughs> But did she really? Because, I mean, she was still going to die. I mean, I guess in a way, yeah, she chose, like, the worst way possible to get eaten alive. But she got bit. Like, it's not like, like she didn't even save somebody's life. Like, it would be different if she saved, say, Judith's life. Well, she saved Rick's life. life. Um, she, saved, she, she, she told Rick at the, at the end, why do you think I saved you? It was not, not because, she said, not because I think you're a great guy. It's because I, I believe that you can run Alexandria for me. So, so she pretty much effectively saved Rick by by taking that dive and, and jumping on that that that, that uh, buzzsaw. Fair enough. You're right. I give you that. 
but but you know even with sam like i hate to say this but sam is such an annoying character and they open <laughs> close with his character and i swear to god i was just like why why like why didn't you think about i don't know shoving a sock in his mouth because you yeah, know that his mouth or something noise you know he's gonna make noise yeah like, because rick rick tells everyone be quiet keep to yourself don't draw attention and then when they're walking out he goes like mom mom I'm like, shut up dude <laughs> i i a note here that i have as i was watching uh I believe it. I, I wrote out face palm, <laughs> Jesse and her freaking kids, man. Like, yeah, I really liked certain parts of this episode. Actually, I know I it's easy for me to get negative about this episode because there's a lot of. It, it, I guess it's just disappointing. I expect more from a mid season finale, especially for a season that started out so strong for me uh, this year. But one of the the most frustrating parts of this episode was how much time was spent with Ron and and I mean I liked. The stuff at the beginning with Sam, I've really liked Sam in general this season, particularly, of course, his rapport with Carol. But um, when we get that look of him, you know, early on, he got the super dark uh, I, uh, under eye, you know, circles. And uh, it, he felt very, is it Mika or is it Lizzie? Um, Lizzie is the older sister. Yeah, he felt very Lizzie there for a moment. I was getting concerned. Uh, so I like that they went a slightly different way with it. But yeah, Jesse and her and her kids man was was ron any better for you than you know you said you were a little irritated uh ricky with uh with sam how'd you feel about the stuff we got with ron and were you just glad that carl got to be not uh terrible yeah okay well here's the thing so i'm disappointed for two reasons i'm disappointed because it's a mid-season finale so it felt underwhelming um but if this was say the fifth episode it would have just been an average episode so I, I do not think the episode is bad by any stretch of the imagination my second problem with the episode is i find the characters annoying but they're in character at least it's not like there's a problem with the writing i just find the characters annoying i find morgan annoying because i'm so sick and tired of morgan trying to save some man who's clearly going to kill everyone i find carol annoying because she knows what morgan believes in and there's better ways to approach the situation as opposed to pulling a knife on him and the wolf i'm annoyed by sam because i know he's going to get everyone killed you know i'm annoyed by ron because he's somewhat of an asshole but i like his character because he's still in character. Like, I mean, that's the Ron we've seen since he was introduced. He's always been hot headed and somewhat jealous of Carl. And especially because he thinks that Enid likes Carl more than him and Enid's supposedly his girlfriend. I have no problem with Carl uh, or Ron. And I actually do like Carl. And I guess Ron, if anything, is going to help build Carl as a character and hopefully make it more interesting because I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done with Carl. I'm a little confused as to why Carl covered for him. I guess Carl wants to take control and he wants to feel like, you know, he's old enough to take care of the situation himself, I guess. But I mean, he nearly got everyone killed, including his little sister. That's a big thing. Like, that's no different than Morgan not killing a wolf and letting him loose in Alexandria when he can escape at any time and kill someone. What do you think, Felix? I think I think that was uh, I think that the whole reason why uh, Carl didn't really tell on Ron was because that really wasn't the most important thing that was going on at the moment. You know, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like no matter what, these people just can't put aside their their petty, their, their petty little differences. 
I think Carl was kind of showing Ron, you know, this, this is not what's important right now. We have to focus on survival first, and then we'll deal with the small stuff later on. Plus, I think he was trying to show Ron that he's pretty much above him and proving that point that Ron is pretty much an a-hole, and Carl is more mature than that, you know? I did, like, um, I was really hoping that scene would just show them, like, when Carl doesn't turn Ron in, that, that the next scene we got between the two of them would just kind of surprise us and, and see that hatchet get buried. Um, I really liked Carl's. Your dad was an asshole. Uh, I really liked that. <laughs> so I, I'm hoping that maybe we'll come back in the second half of the season and, you know, things, you know, Ron will have matured a little bit maybe and let go of the fact that Carl is clearly awesomer than Ron is and some of his inferiority complex uh, so that they can come up with other things, other more interesting things to do with these kids. One of the, speaking of the kids, one of the things I did actually really like, which Normally, if you looked at it on paper, it would have annoyed me, but did work for me here was the fake out that we got with Judith. I really liked that they come back to this idea of how significant Judith is in this world, like seeing a baby, being around a, a baby and new young life that is not, you know, a kid who is not yet at the Carl or the Sam at this point stage of brokenness. Um, that's a really powerful symbol of hope. Um, I, I, you know. I don't know. Did the fake out work for you guys? Because again, it it really did for me. I like that they emphasize how important Judith is to somebody like Deanna. I don't think the fake out worked in a sense that I actually thought that she was in danger, but I did like the line delivered by Deanna where she's like, it's still me. And it was nice to know that she wanted to have like one last goodbye with Judith, right? She wanted to see that little baby before she turned into a walker. So that was cool, but it didn't, like, fake me out. Like, I didn't think for a minute that the baby was in danger. Yeah, I tend to agree. <laughs> so you were cool with it. Like, I didn't think that they were going to hurt Judith either. I thought that they would just kill Deanna there, maybe. But, yeah, I was okay with them. Um, the way that it's shot is to, you know, put you put you in Rick's perspective. But, but, you know, you bring up a good point. I think that's one of the problems I had with the episode is they put specific characters, quote-unquote, in danger, but I never really felt like they were in danger in this specific episode. I was a little shocked that Deanna died. I'll give the writers and the director that much credit because I I didn't think that anybody would die. I mean, last week I said nobody's going to die. And I guess technically we didn't see her die on screen, but we assumed that she's dead now, right? Um, but I kind of felt like, you know, when Carol goes up against Morgan, it was, it was pretty cool to see Morgan and Carol, like, face off. But at the same time... I didn't really feel like they were in danger. Like even when the wolf knocked out Morgan and Carol was out cold and he takes, uh, what's her name? Denise hostage. I didn't think that she was in trouble. Like, I don't think Denise is going to be a goner. Hopefully not. Cause I like her character, but I don't think, I think Denise is going to stick around. You know what? Actually we, we get that suspenseful scene when Maggie's trying to climb up the ladder and the, the, the zombies are trying to like, you know, bite at her leg. That was really cool, despite the fact that I think we all knew Maggie was not really in danger because Glenn just returned. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it would be too early to kill off a character like Maggie. But I honestly do not think that The Walking Dead would kill off a pregnant woman. And I know Lori died, but Lori died after she delivered the baby. Like, I'm not entirely sure if this show would actually kill a baby, even if it's unborn yet. I think that they would kill this level of pregnant you know, not visibly showing pregnant because <laughs> the, the baby feels more like an idea. You um, think? I don't think so. I don't know. But I, d I agree. I, w I was not concerned 
for Maggie. And yet the energy and the direction and the editing of that scene was very effective. I thought also the scoring there uh, to, to make that a suspenseful moment, even if I knew that she would be fine. Um, yeah, I did. I did. I did think that that was the most effective suspenseful moment. Uh, but uh, one of the other things that I actually did really like about this episode, uh, I like the idea of it coming down to not Rick versus Morgan, but Carol versus Morgan, because really they're the two more extreme ends of the, the of the discussion. So I, I would love that for that to be an idea that is returned to, you know, after all of this, you know, when when the as I at least currently am anticipating they leave and then they come back and they save the town and get rid of the walkers somehow in, in the mid-season premiere. Um, but I, I like that instead, you know, it's kind of subverting our expectations because they have been pushing the Rick and Morgan thing all season to have it instead be Carol and Morgan really worked for me. How did it work for you, Felix? I thought it was great. In my, in my opinion, it was the most important um, moment of the episode and perhaps the season, because I think the reason why Carol took it so hard and she was getting so emotional was because when Alexandria is rebuilt, Who's and whoever <laughs> whoever's principles wins over is is going to become the, the the entire rule for the town. So so Kara believes in executing the enemies before it becomes a problem, and Morgan believes in rehabilitation, and they're both fighting for their. For, like I said in my review, the, uh, it's like warring ideologies about who can who who can deal with the wolf the more, the wolf more, and I think Carol is fighting. To, to keep her principle, um, to keep her principle the most important because that's been the the, the whole key rule to survival for uh, for everyone, including Rick. So once it, I think once the town's rebuilt, they're gonna go by whoever was more successful with the wolf. Well, but I don't, I don't think Carol is interested in running Alexandria by her philosophy, because if she was, I don't think she would have been you know hiding out all season. I think I think. I see Carol more as somebody who needs to protect Alexandria from itself. And so she'll go do what needs to be done, but she will do it in a dark alley, <laughs> you know, right. and she'll, she'll kill the wolf and dispose of the wolf. And the rest of Alexandria won't know that the wolf was ever there. I don't know. What, what, any thoughts? Again, my problem with the characters in this episode is why does Carol choose to attack the wolf and Morgan when there's 10,000 zombies running around? Like, it kind of feels like your priorities are all screwed up right now, lady. Like, you know, it feels out of character for her, to be honest, because she's usually smarter than that. And she usually doesn't let her emotions get in the way of survival. So I like the showdown between Morgan and Carol. And I agree it's a lot more interesting than the showdown between Morgan and Rick Grimes I just do not know why they decided to shove it into this specific episode um, kind of felt like they were trying to do too much in one episode like I thought it would have been a lot better if okay so the watchtower falls the zombies get into Alexandria and then you spend the whole entire episode to see how these guys mastermind some kind of incredible plan to get the zombies out again and or to kill the zombies as fast as they can. That, that would have been cool. Like, that's why I think we like the first two episodes of this season, because it was something different. Like they had this incredible plan to move like a hundred thousand walkers away from Alexandria. Like that was something we've never seen. Whereas in this episode, it's something we've seen time in time out again and again in not just the walking dead, but zombie movies, you know, zombies come in, they invade the house. People try to escape. We've seen it a hundred million times. I do like the imagery in this episode and the cinematography. There's specific moments that really stand out, like the moment when they shut the garage door and you see all the zombies' hands slam against the um, the window, which, if I'm not mistaken, is identical to a mach- uh, 
to a scene in the George A. Romero's movie Day of the Dead. And there's also this one specific scene when, well, it's the opening scene when they walk in. Was well, not the opening scene, actually. The opening scene is Sam. But the scene in which the zombies walk into Alexandria and then there's like, there's fog and mist. That scene reminds me a lot of like a John Carpenter film. And I always bring up John Carpenter when we talk about The Walking Dead because I feel like there's always references to John Carpenter movies, not just because it also feels like a Western, much like a lot of John Carpenter films, but just in terms of like the music and some of the camera shots and the cinematography. So I do like the cinematography. I do like the direction. I think it's more of a problem uh, for me. It's for me, it's more of a problem with the writing and the fact that it is a mid-season finale, not enough was done for mid-season finale because people expect more nowadays. You make a good point there about the beginning of the season, Ricky, versus, and again, talking about our expectations for a mid-season finale. Um, for me, like you, like you were saying, I really enjoy watching the characters when they get to be proactive. And the last few episodes uh, really have seen them be reactive. So he, Spencer's idea was stupid, but at least he was trying something. And I, I've wanted, and by the end of the episode, we get them doing their very conveniently effective uh, Walker Guts thing. And especially because they don't actually have to put anything on their faces this time, apparently. Uh, so it's not quite as traumatizing. But um, I, I like I like when these characters get to be proactive in their situations. When we get to see them come up with uh, brilliant ideas, or even, at least interesting ideas to, you know, as to how they're going to get out of these situations that would kill so many other people to really show why they are still alive, uh, why they have survived when other people wouldn't have. And I maybe I guess I was just hoping for more of that from this episode. You know what the problem is? And maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like each and every single time we do a podcast, when we feel like we start running out of things to say, I think there's a problem with the episode. And or maybe not necessarily a problem, but it just goes to show that the episode isn't as interesting as say those first three or four episodes we had this season. And if you remember correctly, Kate, I think I said three times at the start of the season that I was scared that it would start strong and end weak and would slowly unravel and fall apart. And that's exactly what happened. Like there's something about The Walking Dead where it starts strong. And when it gets to the mid-season finale, it's always problematic. And then they come back and they fix a few things. And then we have this big, shocking season finale where usually someone dies or something big happens. We know we're going to have a new baddie because we saw the post-credit sequence. So he is introduced. Plus, they mentioned it on The Talking Dead. Um, so I guess I'm looking forward to the second half of this season. But they got to really come strong with the saviors because the wolves were somewhat wasted. Like, I mean really, if you take the amount of screen time with the wolves, there was like about 50 minutes of the wolves running around Alexandria, like slicing people in half, like 50 minutes of screen time. That is it. And you have the wolf that's held hostage. And he's amazing. Like that actor is doing a fantastic job and he's creepy as hell. But how long is he going to last? I don't know. But I kind of feel like this whole entire season, like it's, it's, it felt, it's felt like a lot of filler and I'm not entirely sure why. Hmm. Well, let's talk a bit about, some of the other things that at least that I liked and I'd like to get your guys thoughts on them. And, and we will definitely return to this idea, Ricky, of, of the trend 
of the show of starting strong and then maybe running out of steam. And I know, uh, Felix, that you don't necessarily agree with that this season. No, not, not at all. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll get back to there. But before we do, I want to just say a couple other things that I enjoyed. Um, I like that we got a couple moments with Eugene when he's talking something about uh, picking locks is in his skill set. I was like, oh, Eugene, I've missed you. I'm hoping we get more of him. Uh, I like that they sync up the timeline so we know that Eugene was the help that Daryl heard. Um, yeah, were there other elements or other like even just smaller moments that that you guys like? I also really liked Deanna and Michonne's conversations, for example. I also liked the Tara, Tara and uh, Rosita's conversation as well. Rosita was pretty much the, the one that was about to give up, and Tara kind of gives her like a pep talk, and they're ready to go out and charge in head first, you know. Actually, that conversation between Michonne and Deanna was probably the highlight of this episode because. I don't think I remember anyone ever asking Michonne what she wants and what what would make her happy. Never. Like, people just treat her like a samurai warrior, not like a person. And it's the first time I think someone's actually, like, said, hey, what do you want? So I like I liked their conversation. I like the time that was spent between Michonne and, and Yana. What I found surprising is she gives the plans to Michonne. So I thought, like, if it, like, I, I would have thought that if anyone would have ended up with the plans in their hands, it would have been someone like Maggie, but it's Michonne. Michonne, at least for me, she looked really young next to De- Deanna when she was sitting there, like the way um, the performance, but also the way she was lit and posed and everything like she when Deanna's asking her, what do you want? What do you like? These are things that Michonne hasn't necessarily let herself consider or spend energy on. Um, and I, I really like, because she's often so hardened and so tough that she, to me, at least she looks so young, um, and open and maybe vulnerable. Um, and that, it was, it was a completely different thing to see from her, at least for me. Uh, did you guys see that at all? Or is that, am I just no I, stuff? I think there's a huge difference between an actor showing what he or she feels without words as opposed to someone like Rick Grimes who says the exact same thing over and over. And it's like, it's like you hear him speak, but it doesn't really hit you. Like, but when you see her reaction, it, it has this emotional impact on you. It's not just someone shouting orders or telling people what they need to do to survive. You actually see it in her eyes. You see it in the expression in her face. Like you actually feel it, even though it's someone acting, it feels more natural. It feels, it feels real. Um, and so I don't know if that makes any sense, but like maybe and also maybe it's because Michonne is quiet. She doesn't usually talk very much. So we never really get to know what we, I don't I mean, it's not to say we never, but it's 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 not often we get to know what she's feeling and or thinking about specific situations like this, for example. What do you think, Felix? Yeah, I'm in agreement um, that no one's ever really asked her what she wants because since we've met her, she's been a very, um, she's done for others before she's done for herself. You know, first it was for her, her son, then it was for Andrea, then it was for Rick, then it was for Carl. And now finally someone's asking her what she wants out of life and out of Alexandria. And I think now she's going to have to, you know, take that over by the time the, the, the show comes back next year. It was almost making me think she would be the next leader. She should be the leader, not Rick. Uh, or like that, Deanna is seeing that in her, even if maybe she's not at that point yet. Um, 
And it's cool to see Deanna, like, again, I think it shows her strengths as as the leader of Alexandria to this point of seeing what to pull out uh, and coax out of Rick and what to, to you know, he, that she should foster in Michonne. And, it, you know, I think we can imply from a couple scenes earlier in Maggie as well, the fact that she has a letter for Maggie, I think, is is significant, even though we haven't actually seen her and Maggie talk in quite a while. Um that says a lot about who she is as as a leader and as a judge of character, which is, of course, how she is first introduced so memorably on the show. Did you guys have other elements that uh, you particularly enjoyed or just even little moments? Rick, anything else come to mind? Uh, I, I don't know if she could be the leader of the group, but I do think that she needs to be a leader, like maybe not the leader, but like take, for example, I think it was last week when Carol, Rick and Michonne are talking to Morgan about his current situation, how he can't go ahead and kill people, et cetera, et cetera. She was the one who was listening to him and listening to how he feels and his beliefs and also listening to Rick Grimes and Carol and listening to herself, but looking at all sides of the story, like looking at everyone's viewpoints and being more diplomatic about it and trying to come to some sort of an agreement that will maybe make everyone happy, but just not rush to make a decision say, this is what I think. And that's it. That's the end of it. Like Carol, for example. Right. So like, you can't put Carol in charge because God, like Carol's in charge. She's going to be killing people left and right. <laughs> that be would judge. not work. It would be so bad. <laughs> She'd be judge, jury and executioner. And Rick Grimes, like the thing about Rick Grimes is that he's, he, he, he is a good leader to some degree, but it's, it's interesting how Ron tells Carl in this episode, he's like, hey, your dad's the one who always gets everybody killed. And you know what? It's kind of true. And I don't know if it's a matter of bad leadership or bad luck. And I know we're watching a show called The Walking Dead, so clearly we're going to watch these characters go through these terrible things. But, you know, it's like uh, Deanna said that they somehow survived two years without a zombie attack, without an attack at all. And all of a sudden, Rick Grimes comes a knocking and everyone's out to kill them. <laughs> like, what the hell? I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> Other than, you know, they are on a TV show. Um, so that certainly helps. Uh, did you have any other specific moments or elements that you wanted to address in this episode, Felix? Before we dive into the larger thematic look at the half season? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I think uh, Ricky Ricky does have a point, but I I, I honestly do think Rick, Rick is also a great uh, leader. You know, I think when 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 push comes to shove, Rick really knows how to make the hard decisions and the hard choices. We've seen that time and time again. Even though he does come with a, a, a little bit of a bad luck streak, he's also the one who always has to make the do the hard stuff, and he rarely ever gets appreciated, you know, by by people around him. You know, and that's at least that's my opinion. You know. I was not happy when we had Ron continuing the Alexandrian whining of everything was fine. So your dad showed up. I was like, I was like, not this again. But he's kind of right. Like in all honesty, he is kind of right. Like I think anyone in their situation would feel the same way because everything was fine until Rick Grimes showed up. So you kind of associate everything that's going wrong with this group of people who showed up and now all of a sudden everything goes wrong. Like I get it. I think it's that Alexandrians used to go out on these runs and they used to abandon people and leave them behind and leave them for food for the walkers. And Rick kind of um, kind of dropped down this veil on everyone and showed them 
how flawed the entire system is, you know? Oh, we know this as viewers, but it's different for us to watch the show and to be a character like Ron in that world and not really ever see this in front of his eyes until, again, Rick Grimes and his people show up. That's when the zombies started attacking. That's when the wolves started attacking. That's when everything started going wrong. Um, you know, his dad's dead. <laughs> like, like I, I, I don't even necessarily call that whining. I kind of, I kind of just see that as him just being angry, and he has a right to be angry at the world and at everything that's happened to him. Like, I don't think Ron is as bad of a character as some people think he is. Like, we'll see what happens. Like, I mean, is he the kind of guy who can actually kill someone like Carl? Can he actually shoot Carl? I don't know. We'll see what the writers do with his character. Uh, he's clearly annoying to some degree, yes, but um, I, I mean, he is a kid still. Like, we have to remember he is, I don't know how old he is, but I'm going to assume that he's supposed to be about 14. I'm assuming just a little older than Carl. Okay. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I think he has potential, you know. I, I, I don't think he's as bad also either, you know. I don't think he really wants to kill Carl. I just think he wants to feel some sense of uh, some sense of revenge in the, in the heat of the moment, you know? But you have to remember, Rick Grimes had this amazing plan at the start of the season to get rid of those walkers, like the 100,000 walkers. But at the same time, he sort of rushed it. Like, he took a bunch of people out into the wild, and they weren't trained. Like, so is that really a good leader? Like, Well, but the thing is, the, at least the way it was presented this was an imminent threat that any, any day now they were going to overwhelm, you know, the, the, the funnel that had sort of started happening at the quarry. And at least that's how I remember it. And, and the town is going to be flooded. So there was that pressure here. And when you're saying, you know, from the Alexandria perspective, it's easy to say, Oh, Rick showed up and then all the stuff happened. But if Rick hadn't shown up, they would have been overwhelmed by twice as many walkers. Yes, that's true. (laughs) But they're still in that situation regardless. Yeah. <laughs> the whole situation with the candy was a ticking time bomb. So Rick was trying to was on a time crunch, and then he says, "Okay, it's a practice run." But then the whole, everything exploded, and he says, "Okay, well, we're gonna have to do this right now. We have no choice." And that's when everything pretty much went to hell. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's good at making last minute decisions. You know, everything goes wrong, so he has to sort of think of new ways to try to make everything right again. But I'm yeah. just, I'm just, I'm just trying to defend these people because. Look, trust me, I find them annoying, too. But I think at least those characters, they feel real. Like, I think those reactions that we see from them feel genuine. Like, they feel like that's how most people would react. Like, you know, you have a character, too. They're not all annoying. They have a character like Denise, who's actually really brave and strong. And she's trying to, like, help people out. And she's reading books to learn how to become a doctor and and doing surgery and performing things that most people just can't even wrap their head around. So they're not all annoying. And Jesse's a pretty cool character too, you know? I, I go, I'm getting hot and cold with Jesse because sometimes I really enjoy her. And sometimes I just, they, they give her nothing. The actor doesn't elevate the nothing that they give her. And I just get irritated. Um, so I think I need more consistency, like, or, or more consistent, um, care from the writers with that character to be fully on board with her. Cause I, the concept of the idea of the character and when she's allowed to be more interesting, I'm on board with, but then, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like they have her standing around, not doing anything too frequently, just kind of like looking around and being bland love interest for Rick. So I, I, I run hot and cold on her. What do you think, Felix? 
Well, I, I'm kind of biased because I'm in love with uh, Alexander Breckenridge, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, Fair I think enough. I think he's a hot. He's a, yeah, I, I agree with you. She's a, a, a lukewarm character at the moment. You know, I think they're saving her for like the, the upcoming storyline. If you ask me, if if you could have chosen who died in this episode, I don't. Maybe you would choose Deanna. I don't know. But if you had to choose, who would you choose? You have uh, to choose one person. One person, I would have uh, chosen the Tara. Hmm, I think Tara would have felt would have made everything feel like okay now things are getting serious. I don't know who I mm. could have had yeah, die <laughs> and had this be a more compelling. Um, I think Tara is just kind of kind of nice to have around because she's so happy go lucky sometimes even though she's in a uh, in a zombie apocalypse. Um, I. I don't know who I would kill. I think I would just have to um, kill Spencer after his stupid Batman stunt last week. <laughs> He's useless at this point. The trouble I had with Deanna's death, though it did give us many of our most interesting scenes, at least for me, uh, in this episode, is that it just feels too expected and too ne- necessitated by the plot. So it's like, oh, well, we need to have a changing of the leadership, or we think we do, so therefore Deanna has to die so that Rick can take, you know, like... the. It's the idea of the mentor dying so that the, you you know, uh, spoiler alert for Harry Potter's, y'all, Dumbledore dying so that uh, uh, Harry can step up or um, uh, Gandalf dying so that, you know, Frodo has to assume that position of, uh, of, you know, taking leadership over his own destiny. Like, it just feels like uh, such a obligatory thing. And because it happens in such a, uh, like we've already discussed, a unsatisfying way where she didn't even notice that a chunk got taken out of her hip. I mean, I guess if you've been stabbed by a saw blade, maybe that would certainly help with that, but, you know. I think it's also the adrenaline of the moment. You didn't really notice that she's been... been... Yeah. I can, I can get on board with that, but because it, it... I guess it just felt so perfunctory for me. That was more of my issue than... So maybe if with better execution the same idea would have worked, uh, or if they it didn't make it so heavy-handed of, now I am passing the torch... But here's the thing, okay, why did she have to die with a zombie bite? Why couldn't she die in a way where, say, the watchtower falls on her and, you know, she doesn't die right away, so we still have a scene with her and Michonne, we get that nice exchange of dialogue, but not just a zombie bite again and with poor execution. Like, there's different ways to kill off characters. People still die in natural ways, for example, I'm assuming in this world. No one's, like, immune to disease uh, things can still fall in your head. <laughs> like you could still get run over by a car. Uh, but what for if some... she's just more injured from that other, you know, the saw blade thing? Exactly. Uh, and then they have to make the choice of do they leave her because they can't take her with. That makes things more, more morally tricky, but maybe they didn't want that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, again, my problem was it's the execution because she has this huge bite mark. I'm like, you would have known you got bit. I, I think Felix makes a good point about the um, adrenaline, though. Yeah, the adrenaline of the moment is kind of like when, when you like, like you bump, like you bump your, like you bump your shoulder during while you're running, and then you realize, oh, that really hurt. I hit myself really hard, and I think after all that chaos, it was like, oh man, I just got bitten. <clears throat> I think deep, deep down, she realized she was bitten. 
because during that whole um, escape, she kind of pushed Rick out of the way and kind of, kind of took the, the bullet for him. Okay, but wait, here's another problem I have with the episode. I just remember this. Enid, another character who I find so incredibly annoying. And it's... I do not like her. And you know why? I'm so sick and tired of watching these characters in The Walking Dead. They're like, ooh, I don't want to help anyone. I'm so depressed. The world sucks, blah, blah. You know what? Then just go. <laughs> just go. <laughs> like, why do we have to see these characters after like five, six seasons? And And the fact that we get Glenn back after losing him for like three episodes, I believe, and we get like maybe two shots of him. Like, why did we have more Glenn being heroic and saving Maggie? Or I don't know, some uh, Daryl and <laughs> Abraham and, uh, and and Sasha. You know, we didn't see them at all. Yeah, uh, so you, yeah. You, you fake his death, like, and everyone knew he was still alive. You take him away for three, four episodes, remove his name from the credits. Bring him back, and then he doesn't do anything. He just, like, lets a bunch of balloons go into the sky. It's like, great, guys. Well, I, I actually did really like one of the things we got with Enid, uh, where she's just like, no, no fucking way. I'm not doing it. No. I, I love that we get that perspective from her. I would have liked it way better if she's like, no offense, your pregnant wife is in there, and this was my home for a while, but I am not going in there. That is insane. I'll come back in like a couple days if it's a, if it's clear and hopefully y'all won't be dead. But no, I'm not risking my life to save your pregnant wife who's probably already dead. Yeah, I guess. I still find her annoying. <laughs> you, so you're, annoying. you're also yeah. not on Team Enid, Felix? No, but I don't think she's worth fighting for either. I can't believe Ron and, and Carl had like a big fight over her. You know, it's like... What is so? I don't get what's so appealing about her. You know, well, she's, she's a girl of the appropriate age. I mean, there's not that many of them around. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I guess it's true. <laughs> but the last thing, I guess, before I, I'll get take us into the uh, the thematic, maybe we can use this to bridge into the the larger discussion of the season and the pacing of the season as a whole. Um, I, I really liked the discussion of you're one of us versus treat us like we're your crew that we get with Deanna and Rick. Do you guys think that we finally will have like less of a division between the Alexandrians and Rick's crew with those, like that dying advice from Deanna that, that they're one of, you know, that they're, they're now one and we need to stop seeing those divisions. Do you think we can finally put that behind us in the next half of the season? And how, how have you felt about that being such a driving force of this half season? Let's throw it to Felix first. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a, a lot less exclusion, uh, that's, that's going to be an exclusionary mindset with Rick now, because he's been kind of grasping with that whole, should we include new members, shouldn't we, ever since season three, <clears throat> and they accepted Noah so easily, I don't know why he's having such a hard time with the Alexandrians, and I think it's, I think it's time for him to kind of drop that whole, um, idea of not accepting new members and bring some new people in. What do you think, Ricky? Hmm, I'm thinking about this, um... First of all, division, I mean, who's left alive? There's like three people on counting. There's Spencer. There's the older man, I forget his name right now. There's Denise. Keith. Right. And who else? Ron. Yeah. Heath, and Sam. Tobin, and Jesse. Yeah. And so, yeah, so there's still a lot of people. Um, yeah, I can't imagine us spending uh, six more episodes watching these people fight. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think we're past it. But I'm just, you know what I'm confused about? I'm not confused about what my, my biggest curiosity is. What is going to happen at the start of the second half of the season? Okay, clearly they're going to have to get rid of the walkers. But how long is it going to take to get rid of the walkers? Are we going to see like three, four episodes with zombies running around the town? 
And how long is it going to take before we get Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham back to the group? Honestly, I'm anticipating this to be a Terminus situation where they take care of that in an episode. That'd yeah, be cool. yeah, probably an episode and uh, an episode and a half at the most. Well, so he, so okay, so let, let's let's think about this. So the episode ends. Almost everyone is walking out of a house at this point in time. You got Rick Grimes leading the group, half of the group, out with the zombie blood and guts, you know, spread all over them. Babies for zombie gore blanket. Aww. Uh, yeah, and then you have. Um, <laughs> the wolf leaving with Denise and I'm assuming that the rest of them are going to follow to try to save her life. So basically everyone's stepping out of shelter. Except for Carol and uh, Morgan who are knocked out. Yeah, but they'll eventually like wake up. I would, I would, I would put money down and say that at least three people are going to die. Two of which are people who lived at Alexandria before Rick Grimes ever got there. That's okay. what I think, yeah. I think it's going to be one of those episodes where they they do a massive cleanup. They get rid of a lot of the supporting cast who who they just don't have time for because the cast is growing. And, um, yeah, I see at least two people, if not three people, dying in the next episode. Fair enough. That would be a um, a another strong and uh, eventful way to kick off their their mid-season premiere, which I, yeah. I think loops us back around to this discussion we, we teased earlier, but Felix, let's give you the floor on this. Uh, Ricky and I have often discussed on this podcast the, the trend of a really strong start, very creatively uh, fresh start to a new season or half season of The Walking Dead, and then, like, for me, with this half season, not quite enough story to fill the time so it feels stretched out and and uh, la- starts lacking energy towards the end, and or like it has happened previously with like some of the hospital Beth stuff, um, a unfortunate detour that uh, then feel again feels like filling time before the the mid season or the ultimate season finale. For you, you're more on board with this season than I think either of us are. How is the season fitting into or bucking that trend for you? And Make your pitch for this being actually a very consistent and strong end of the season. I think I think this show rarely ever loses steam. I think around season three it loses steam, but uh, in season two it usually um, it, it kept steam for very consistently. And in season four, season five, but I think I think so far the the, um, the first half of the season six has been very very um, fluid and very um, cohesive. Um, I think far more than the, the, the previous season, if you ask me. Okay, here's the thing. So I think this is going to be the last thing I'm going to say about this season so far. What I find strange about The Walking Dead is it never stops. And what I mean by this is, so season four will end, for example. Season five would start exactly the moment after season four ends and so on and so forth. So, like, we have the wolves and we actually still have a wolf running around and now we have the saviors. Like... It's like there's never any time in between these things for these people to just settle down, relax. And that's, that's what I love about the show, though, is just when these people never get a break, you know? Right. And I, I get it. But at the same time, I think it can maybe benefit the show. For example, imagine this. Imagine they didn't introduce uh, the new characters and they ended the wolf storyline and maybe like, the, the zombies break into Alexandria and they get rid of the zombies. They work as a team. Okay, everyone's happy. And then 
fast forward like, I don't know, six months or something, maybe even a year, who knows? And they're rebuilding Alexandria. And then, then you have the new group of enemies enter. But at least within that time, there's so many things that could have happened. Someone could have gotten married. Someone could have had a baby. Carl could finally uh, justify the fact that he's like almost as tall as Rick Grimes. <laughs> you know, the baby's older. Um, there's so many things that can happen within that time off screen that can maybe make these characters a bit more interesting. New relationships form. Maybe Abraham and uh, What's-Her-Face break up, et cetera, et cetera. It's just weird that it happens like right away. The truncated or, or condensed uh, narrative or timeline of this half season, I think, also just highlights that. And I agree, it would be. I think it'd be really good for the show to resolve this current crisis and then have a X number of months later. I mean, especially when you've got Maggie being pregnant, unless she's going to be pregnant for like the next two seasons, um, it would probably be a good idea to skip forward some time. Uh, and we, it's something we've, we've talked about before. I, I don't know. I, w- I would be on board with that. Do you, Felix, do you think there's a way they can do that? Or uh, does, does our post-credits tag negate that option? <laughs> I think it's all going hand in hand because we have the, we have the zombies and the imminent threat of the walk, um, the imminent threat of the wolves. And I think the savers are going to present sort of an option that, that will kind of gonna make them present them with the illusion of uh, safety. I don't want to get too much away and spoil anything, you know, too much for the people who haven't read the comic books. But I think the the saviors, the wolves, and the walkers are all going to go hand in hand and kind of mix together in a very, a very interesting way soon. Fair yeah. enough. I think that's a good good place to leave then our, our discussion of the future. It's best to avoid spoilers. It's uh, just kind of steer clear of that topic if if that's going to be a tricky conversation. Then yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, then, Felix, uh, we've heard we've heard Ricky's last uh, thoughts on on this episode. Do you have any final thoughts on this episode and this season, this half season of the show? I think I think it's been a, a, a really really good, not perfect, but really really good. And I, I would like to see at least one of the original Atlanta Five get get uh, killed at some point, because even though Robert Kirkman says anyone could die any moment, <laughs> I think they cemented that idea that um, the original five aren't going to be killed anytime soon. Yeah. With Glenn surviving. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was, that was one of my, my big complaints with the episode is they really haven't raised the stakes for any of the original five characters yet. We'll have to see uh, if they course correct after all the, the feedback from the, from the fans uh, about Glenn and the crit- and critical consensus of, of, you've shot your stakes in the foot by saving Glenn. We'll see what the show does to that without, you know, how it responds to that. If it does anything, I guess when the show comes back, but uh, for me, I, you know, I, it's been, I think a really solid season of the walking dead. Even if I've been underwhelmed by the last few episodes, I do think that this show has improved tremendously from some of its uh, earlier seasons and, even in episodes that I'm less engaged like this one, there are still scenes and moments and visuals that really connect with me. So I do, I do have to give the show credit. I do think it's come a long way, even if again, I'm not as on board with this episode uh, as I, as I wish I had been, but that will wrap up our conversation or our discussion of this episode of the walking dead. Felix, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Where can our listeners find you and your work online? Uh, thank you for having me. Um, you can find me at a <coughs> excuse me, a Cinema Craze, uh, Pop Optic, and Strange Kids Club. And I this is a, a self-published uh, science fiction book 
Um, that's available on my website in case, you want, in case anyone is interested. Absolutely. And uh, Rick, what's going on over at Pop Optic? Uh, same old, same old. Uh, you can always check out my movie podcast and um, my video game podcast if you play video games and express. And uh, I guess that's about it. And of course, you can reach me over at uh, Pop Optic, where I have my weekly TV podcast covering everything that isn't The Walking Dead, The Televerse. You can reach out to me on Twitter at The Televerse. I love hearing from you guys there. Or you can always email The Televerse at gmail.com. And uh, this will actually, a bit of an announcement here at the end. This is actually my last episode of the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast. I have, t- unfortunately, Peak TV has has struck again. There's too much. I need to step back from a few things. So I will be stepping back from, from the podcast. Uh, so this is my last episode. It's been a true pleasure talking Walking Dead with oh, you, Ricky. Bus, <laughs> over, this, over, over these past several years um, and listeners as well as engaging with you. So uh, I will. I will certainly miss it, but it's been a lot of fun. So thank you. Now this might be the last episode, period. So I'm not making any promises. I do not think I'll be able to bring the podcast back next year. It's a. Uh, it's a matter of time. It's time consuming. You know, recording, editing. Um, it's at least two and a half hours per week. Plus, I already do like three more podcasts. It's also just a few. Just a few podcasts going on. It's also a matter of money. It's kind of expensive. So I don't know. We'll let you know if it starts again next year. If not, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners because you've been great. And I know we have a lot of listeners for the Walking Dead podcast. It might just be our most popular podcast. I'm not entirely sure. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I hope I can come back, but uh, we'll see. No promises. And if the if it does come back, you you know you, you you'll have at least one listener sticking around ricky so i'm sure you'll keep us all informed so thank you again uh felix thank you ricky thank you to all of our listeners it's been a real treat talking the walking dead with you all goodbye walkers are flooding into the east wall that means at the west wall we're the first to clear up it that's how we get in Just because the tower's down doesn't mean that... Listen, people are still alive in there. This is how it happens. And it always happens, Glenn. We're still here. Our friends are in there. People who care about you. My pregnant wife. You just want to run away, be afraid, forget about this? Just go. But that's how you lose people. Even after they're gone. <laughs>